Yeah, that's actually a really good question. I was going to open up by having some people in the congregation here this morning share how God has answered prayer. And so you'll get a chance, a few of you at least, after I'm done sharing this. And that was honestly unprompted. He didn't even, he didn't know I was doing that. But um, one thing that I'm really excited for is a church building. Uh, We spent 10 months this last year meeting in a funeral home. And yeah, people were dying to get in. It was... It was a good time. Uh, actually, we didn't have very many visitors, if you can imagine that, during, during those 10 months. Uh, we did have one family, though, who, who did start coming and joined our church during those 10 months, uh, an older couple, and uh, we're very thankful for them. Uh, but our church, and I'm not, I'm not going to take all morning because I easily could, but our church has been trying to do something with our building, expand it, move to a different location for over 20 years now, and there's lots of history there, there's lots of city codes that limit what we can do on our current property, and there's lots of opinionated neighbor, neighbors who don't want us to change anything, and also just a history of trying multiple times to do things only to have God close the door, and so uh, while there was excitement to do something within our church, there was also kind of like a is anything going to happen? Like, is it worth going to all this work again? And uh, this last March, uh, a couple weeks before Easter, we were able to get back into our uh, fully gutted and double in size building. And uh, that may sound like, oh man, you must be in a huge church. No, actually our building's still fairly small, uh, probably compared to a lot of your churches. But uh, we're just thankful to have a space that we can now use more effectively to make more and better disciples with. Um, And so that's one thing that's very encouraging, one thing that I'm very excited about. The other thing that has been really exciting over the last couple years and something that I've been praying towards ever since I started was being able to see three or four adult baptisms um, and even adult conversions. Uh, One was a a young lady, she still is struggling with a lot of mental health stuff and uh, continuing to try to minister to her. She actually, did she get saved at camp? Or, okay, yeah, camp had at least a big role in that. Her name is Alice. Um, We had another guy who just came from a different church background and baptism was just never something they emphasized, Um, and uh, he, after we were going through a message in Acts, a sermon series, and he's like, hey, I need to do that. I need to get baptized, and he's actually one of our deacons now, uh, which is a cool story. Um, And then one other one was uh, a guy named Hugo. Uh, This is probably the most recent uh, and most exciting story, but uh, he was, he's a very intellectual individual. Uh, he loves to learn. He loves, he loves to understand how things work. Uh, kind of has an engineered type of mind, very logical, uh, wants logical answers to very complex questions. And uh, so 
he was interested actually in a girl who was attending our church and she said right from the get-go, sorry, but I'm, I only date Christians. Uh, I'm not going to engage in a relationship that, that doesn't have a chance of leading to marriage. And so uh, they had gotten to know each other just a little bit and she, she came to me one Sunday and was just like, this guy has way more questions than I have answers to. And, and I said, well, I'm sure you have just as many answers as I do. Um, and she just asked me if I would meet with him. And so I, I met with him. And that first meeting, I, I have never been more overwhelmed by a conversation and questions than I was in that meeting. I mean, he was, he was coming with the hard-hitting questions like, explain to me the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. And so I started explaining, and about two sentences in, he's on to the next question. Um, and just question after question after question. And I mean, these are questions that take more than two seconds to answer, to say the least. And so I met with him, and, and although I felt like I was getting nowhere because he wasn't really giving me time to answer questions, uh, he wanted to keep meeting with me, and so I met with him a second time, same thing, question, 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 and I just, I felt like I was just spinning wheels and not getting anywhere, so I just finally told him, I was like, you know, I think there's a part of you that really does want to know what truth is and where truth comes from, and I said, if you really want to know that, and if you really want to know what Christians should believe about all of these questions, you need to start reading the Bible. And it was so cool because I, I, I think I started him in the Gospel of John, and it was so cool because the next time we met, well, the first couple of times, his questions were more so questions of trying to like find all the loopholes or all the, all the ways that Christianity doesn't line up or contradicts each other. The questions that he started asking in that next meeting were questions of, help me understand, help me to learn. And it was just, it, it was one of those situations where it's just so obvious that God is doing the work in someone's heart. And so uh, long story short, uh, he got saved. They did start dating and I, perf I was involved in their wedding ceremony just a couple months ago, and he's getting baptized uh, very soon. So uh, just things like that are what get me excited. Right? There's a lot of, yeah, thank you. There's, there's a lot of pastors in the room, and uh, you guys know ministry is both very difficult. There's lots of hardships. There's lots of struggles but seeing the gospel change people, whether it's for salvation or sanctification, that is what gets me excited. And, and that's what keeps me going. And so I'm, I'm very thankful to be serving at Ambassador Baptist Church up in Shoreview, Minnesota. I've actually been there for nine years. I started as a volunteer youth helper. And a couple years after being there, the church was able to hire me as a full-time associate pastor, did that for several years before our senior pastor retired. Uh, you guys know how that goes. Lots of pastors never retire. 
but uh, he retired and had about a year gap where I uh, was just seeking the Lord's will, and he saw it fit for me to take his place. And so we, this summer was four years already, which is insane. Uh, so first four years of pastorate was two years of COVID and two years of building project. And God's been gracious. Uh, he's been so good. I feel very spoiled uh, to be at church there at Ambassador. So uh, as we get going this morning, we are going to talk about why God doesn't answer prayer. But first, I want to hear from you guys. What are a few ways that you have seen God answer prayer in awesome ways in the last couple years? Safety and travel. Safety and travel. How much traveling are we talking Okay, that's quite a bit. <laughs> 90, oh my goodness, 90 hours. That's a lot. Yeah, safety and travel. Excellent. All the way in the back. Yeah, Rob, stand up for us. It's a miracle that Rob is here and breathing, let alone standing up and laughing at Andy's jokes. In the morning, uh, Rob and Jennifer go to our church. You can have a seat, Rob. But he spent, how many months were you in the hospital? 58 days, 29 on a ventilator in a coma. So that was, yeah, that was COVID. And we... Yeah, we're thankful to have Rob with us. Him and his wife are treasures uh, in our church. We're so thankful for them. Yeah. Praise God, 88 years old. Coming to know the Lord. And then going to be with him in glory. How awesome. It makes you wonder how many people prayed and how long were they praying. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you can go first and then Colleen right, right after. Awesome. Very good. Yeah, definitely. Colleen. Very. Definitely. For those of you who don't know, Colleen helps run the Metro. Well, she does run. She doesn't help. She does run the Metro Women's Center in the Twin Cities. They take care of moms and families, and especially ones who are considering abortion and giving them options. And at least three babies have been saved this year. So we can rejoice in that. But even more than that, I think, is the, the gospel impact that the Metro Women's Center has on those, not just those babies, but those families as well. We have a big God, don't we? He is able. He can do miraculous things 
but he doesn't always see fit to do the miraculous thing. I'm sure there's lots in here this morning who wish they had a story to tell because you've been praying for something or somebody for a long time and haven't yet seen an answer to that prayer. I want to ask you, true or false, does God answer every prayer? Might def- might depend a little bit on how you define answer. I would say God is aware of every prayer and responds to every prayer according to his perfect and sovereign will. But what we do find within Scripture are several passages that would actually speak to why God would potentially not answer a prayer or answer prayer by saying no or answer prayer by giving an answer that isn't aligned with what our hearts Want. And so I want to quickly run through a few of those this morning before we circle back to the sovereignty of God as we consider answered prayer or unanswered prayer. So the first reason why God might not answer prayer <laughs> may seem a little bit ridiculous to even say out loud, but the first reason he might not be answering your prayer is because you're not actually praying. We don't actually pray. James 4, 2 says you do not have because you do not ask. It might surprise you how many people I've talked to who struggle with this idea of prayer. And like many of us, when we talked about the excuses for not praying, we say, well, God doesn't answer prayer, so what's the point? We go down that whole rabbit trail, and then I ask them, so how much are you praying? Oh, well don't really do it very much, if at all. I wonder if we actually pray. We're good at talking about prayer, maybe even thinking about prayer, but I wonder if we actually pray. I think it's the end of James 5 talks about fervent prayer. Praying fervently for others. And so before we get to all the other ones, first we have to just ask the question, are we really praying? Do we actually participate in prayer on a regular basis? The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. To be continually going to the Lord in prayer telling him the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, pouring our hearts out to him, casting our cares upon him because he cares for us. So first of all, do we actually pray? James 4, 2. The second one is that sometimes when we pray, we pray selfishly. So James 4 says, you do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask and do not receive, it's because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. 
Okay, we kind of talked about this a little bit when we looked at the Lord's Prayer on Sunday night. And we talked about praying for God's kingdom and God's will. It's really easy for our prayers to be consumed with building up our own kingdoms. It's not really God's will for us to get glory and for our kingdoms to be built. He wants us to be building his kingdom, to be living for his glory. And so sometimes when we pray, we pray selfishly. And God will supply all of our needs, but he will not feed our self-centeredness. If we've learned anything so far from my sessions on prayer, I hope that one thing that you take away from this week is that prayer should not be an activity which puffs us up and gives us a big head, but rather it should be an activity that promotes humility in our lives and dependence on a God who knows better than we do. So sometimes he doesn't answer because we don't actually pray. Sometimes he doesn't answer because our prayers actually at their core are selfish. We want them for our own good, our own comfort, our own kingdom instead of his. Thirdly, sometimes we pray sinfully. Or in other words, we pray asking him for things all the while Sin is reigning supreme in our hearts. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but... Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So we go to God asking him for this, 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 and all the while we're living a life that is contrary to him and his word. And so sometimes we pray sinfully. Number four, sometimes we pray hypocritically. This also goes back to the Lord's Prayer, that little passage on forgiveness, where Jesus encourages his disciples to pray, Lord, forgive us as we have forgiven our debtors. And then it goes on in verses 14 and 15 in Matthew chapter 6 to talk about how if we do not forgive others, Christ will also not forgive us. And so it's not right for us to be asking for forgiveness from the Lord. Meanwhile, we are withholding it from others. I mean, you think of the parable of the unforgiving servant. I think that's in Matthew chapter 18, the one who had been forgiven so much. I mean, a lifetime of work would not even come close to paying the debt that that servant had been forgiven. And then he turns to his buddy who owes him like pocket change compare the debt he was forgiven and just lambast him for not paying back his debt. Sometimes we pray hypocritically. 
Number five, sometimes God will not answer our prayers. This one is for the men in the room because we don't love our wives. First Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. Let me look up the second half of that verse because I didn't have it in my notes. First Peter. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman so that your prayers may not be hindered. How seriously are we taking that verse? Men in the room. Now don't worry. It doesn't say you have to understand all women. Okay? He's not giving you an impossible task. He's not even arguing that you need to think the same way that your wife thinks about everything. Okay? That's the beauty of marriage. Right? Two people coming together as a team with different strengths and weaknesses and opinions. And some people need... Some people think the dishes need to go in the dishwasher. Some people think they need to go on the counter right above the dishwasher. I think the counter's fine. I mean, somehow they always end up in the dishwasher anyway. I, I don't understand what the problem is. Do you live with your wife in an understanding way? Are you still dating your wife? Are you still trying to get to know her more? Understand what makes her tick. Understand what brings her joy. Understand what frustrates her. And then trying to love her by acting in ways that would support and encourage and bring her joy. If we're not doing that, our prayers could be hindered. I think we should take that seriously. Number six, sometimes our prayers can be hindered because we don't want to listen to God. We don't want to listen to God. We want to ask him for things. We want to talk to him. We want to pray to him a lot but we don't want to hear from him. We don't want to listen. Proverbs 28 verse 9 says, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know, one interesting thing that I come across a lot is when people approach me and, and they're in a situation in their life where they feel like they're just not growing spiritually, they want to do better, and I start meeting with them, a, a lot of people in those first couple sessions or first couple meetings will, will say something along the lines of, and, and my first question is always, well, how much are you reading your Bible? How much are you praying? And then 
what sin is in your life that, that needs to be dealt with. That's kind of a, a good starting point in a lot of cases. And what I hear a lot is, well, I, I'm basically not reading my Bible at all, but I pray a lot. And my, my first thought is usually, if you're not reading your Bible very much, there's a pretty good chance your prayers are not in line with God's will and God's kingdom. I mean, why is it that we treat our relationship with God so much differently than we treat a relationship with any other person in our life? Any other person, we know a relationship requires communication both ways. Right? You can't have a, a one-sided relationship. There needs to be talking and listening from both sides. And yet with God, for some reason, we think, oh, it's fine if I'm not really in the word very much. As long as I'm praying, I mean, that's salvaging my relationship. Well, I don't know. I would encourage you to not justify your lack of Bible reading by saying you pray a lot. These verses would remind us, Proverbs 28, verse 9, and John 15, 7, that if we're not willing to listen to God, our prayers could be hindered. This is, I think, even another plug here for why it can be so helpful to actually pray the scriptures. I'd encourage you to never read the Bible without praying and also try to never pray without incorporating truth of scripture into your prayer. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to quote scripture every time you pray, but if you're not incorporating truths about God and truths about his will and truths about just life in general that we get from the Bible into your prayers, they're going to naturally conform more to what you want than what God wants. We need that realignment of our heart within our prayers. Number seven, sometimes we pray without faith. James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to you all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And asking for wisdom, James tells us God will give it to us if we ask without doubting. And some of you are already squirming in your seats because this is, this is getting too close to prosperity gospel. And if you just have more faith, and, and, and let, let me be clear, just because you pray in faith does not mean that God will give you everything that you want or everything that you desire. But when you pray, you should have faith that God is able to do what you are asking him. This can be a really, really damaging thing if you get that mixed up. But what if we do all of these things? And, and there's, there may be others. 
What if we are actually praying? What if we're praying for God's kingdom, not our own, with our sin confessed while loving our wives, while forgiving others, while being saturated in the word of God, praying with faith and for God's glory and for God's kingdom? What if we're, what if we're doing all those things and still our prayers remain unanswered? God still seems silent. That's the tension that we struggle to wrap our minds around. And that's why the last little section here in your notes, I just want to encourage you guys this morning to embrace the mystery and trust God's sovereignty. Embrace the mystery and trust God's sovereignty. That's not easy to do. In encouraging you to do that, I understand that in a room this size, there are lots of you who are wrestling and trying and fighting to do that in the midst of extremely difficult situations. But we need to remember that in prayer, God is not a God who is to be manipulated by us because we checked all these seven boxes and now God has to do everything that I think is best for me. In fact, we should be glad that we don't get to call the shots. We should be thankful that we have a God who is in control rather than ourselves. One thing that, and before I get into embracing the mystery just a little bit this morning, can I just insert here all of Patrick Odell's message from last night? <laughs> and let's pray and be done. <laughs> because honestly, I mean, wow, that was so, so on point. This idea of perfecting storms that he shared with us last night. This idea of divinely designed storms. How God uses storms often to perfect us, mature us, and grow us so we can keep on rowing and keep on trusting and keep on obeying. So, so I mean, God, how cool is that? But embrace the mystery. One, one thing that I've noticed is that when it comes to God and his work in our lives, we actually love the mystery of why he does some things and not others as long as they're to our benefit. As long as they give us unexpected blessings. We love the mystery of God. That unexpected check comes in the mail. I remember my first year being on staff at Ambassador. I had no idea what I was doing with taxes. Some of you pastors may understand. Um, first year in ministry, I, I like had a general idea of what was going on, but I did not do my math right or something. And we were, I mean, we had no money. And we, got a, we owed $2,000, over $2,000 that first year. And we had nothing in the bank. I mean, empty. No way to pay it. 
And a family in our church just randomly decided to give us a check for literally the exact amount that we needed to pay. And man, I love the mystery of God. It's so cool. It's so good. When he miraculously heals our bodies, I think of Rob. I mean, praise God for the mystery of God saw fit that we still needed Rob. I think of my nephew, Odin. He was born very early. The doctors told his parents five or six times, he's, he's just done. Let's take him off the machines. They said no. We're going to keep fighting as long as, as long as God has him alive. We're going we're gonna to keep fighting. And praise God, now he's a hyper little four-year-old and just bouncing off the walls. You, you would never know. We love when the mystery turns out the way that we want. But let me just encourage you this morning. What's the greatest mystery in all of God's word is the mystery of the gospel. Paul says in Ephesians 5:32, this mystery is profound. He's comparing marriage to how Christ loved the church. Colossians 1:26, the mystery hidden for the ages and generations, but now is revealed to his saints. The mystery that God would see us in our wretched sinfulness and still demonstrate his love to us by sending Christ to die for us. The mystery of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, that he would take our sin and give to us the righteousness of God. The mystery of Philippians 2, where Christ, even though he was equal with God, saw it fit to humble himself and take the form of a servant and become obedient even to the point of death. That's a mystery that I hope you are thankful for, that you embrace. I was thinking about that. We live in the Twin Cities, and I actually, Shoreview is kind of a, more of a hoity, not hoity-toity, but uh, it, it's not downtown Minneapolis. Um, and so we're, I mean, we're in the burbs, and uh, it's, it's pretty good there. Our little community is really well off, but even in that community, it's not uncommon to see people on the side of the road asking for help. People parking and setting up their signs in Target parking lot and asking for help. And, and so often our thought when we see those people as well, ah, you're going to go and spend this on booze or drugs or whatever, and uh, you made the choices in order to get yourself in that place in the first place. And so you just got to start making better choices. And the temptation is to not take the time to help them. If we were to treat people like Christ treats us, what would it look like for us to help one of those people? It would look like us leaving our family, leaving our home, leaving the education that we've worked with, the titles that we have, 
the bank accounts that we've stored up, temporarily giving all of that up, making ourselves nothing and telling that person on the side of the street, hey, I don't know your story, but I know you're in kind of a helpless situation. And so instead of actually just giving you this gift, I'm going to work for it in your place. I'm going to go and grind at those minimum entry jobs in your place in order to start earning your way towards a better life or a more comfortable life, as it were. I mean, how, how many of us would even think about doing that? Maybe it's not a fair comparison. But we have to understand that what Christ did for us by leaving that equality with God and coming in the form of a servant is far greater of a gap than would be for us to go and do that for a homeless person. This idea of the gospel and what Christ has accomplished for us is a mystery and we love it, we trust it. If we're honest, we don't fully grasp it, but we love the mystery of God when it benefits us, when it's all good. If we can trust God and his sovereignty for the truth of the gospel and our salvation, then we can also trust him when we don't fully understand the hard situations and when we're asking ourselves, is this same God still in control? There's a lot of different aspects and ways to give more understanding to the sovereignty of God. So just real quickly, one is oftentimes our timing is not his timing. I mean, man, we get ticked off when our Amazon Prime package doesn't show up in two days. If it takes three days, come on. What's wrong with this world? God's timing is always better, though. We're in a series in Exodus at our church, and uh, just thinking about the Israelites in Exodus for 400 years. At the end of chapter 4 in Exodus, there's, there's a verse that says in four different ways, God remembered, God knows, God heard, God will keep his covenant, will keep his promises with his people. I mean, we get bent out of shape when we pray for something for 40 years, let alone 400. God's timing's always better. Sometimes God might answer in a way in order to keep us humble. Think of Paul in one of the Corinthians, I think it's 2 Corinthians, where he prays three times for the flesh to be removed. And eventually he concludes, God didn't remove it to help me, to keep me from being conceited. I wanted to keep him humble, keep him trusting in God. Sometimes God will have us in a storm in order to give us the opportunity to glorify God in a hopeless situation where as Christians we still actually have hope and the outside world can look at us and think, how can you possibly not give up in the middle of this? It's because I have a God who's greater than this situation. 
Maybe sometimes he does answer and we don't realize it. As I was thinking and actually preparing for this message specifically, one thing that me and my wife have, have been praying for is patience with our children. I think I'm done praying for that. Because I also pray that my kids' attitudes would be better, and I think God is allowing them to continue to have bad attitudes in order to grow my patience. And that's a silly example, but I, I wonder sometimes if God actually is answering our prayers and just in ways that, I mean, can you do it in an easier way? Maybe there's unseen factors I wonder often if what God doesn't answer is sometimes his biggest grace in our lives, sparing us from the things that we think we wanted. One author says, we sometimes ask for possessions that would ruin us, relationships that would drain us, or power that would corrupt us. The young boy who sees his mother carving the turkey may plead for a chance to wield the knife himself, but no, the parent must say, And it may be years before the boy understands the reason. God treats us too well and loves us too much to give us some of the things that we ask for. I remember right after I graduated college, I I had done my internship in South Africa and was pretty interested in potentially moving there uh, long-term to do missions and uh, great ministry that I was interested in, and I had another connection in Arizona, actually, uh, with a pastor there, and was kind of curious to see if God might lead me that way, and so I was praying through these two things, and just really hoping that God would work one of those two out, and about the same time, the ministry in South Africa went through uh, some, some really unfortunate things with their main leader and pastor, Uh, basically going off the deep end, Uh, long story, but they had a lot of turmoil. And so God kind of closed the door uh, for that pretty pretty quickly. And then the pastor in Arizona actually got sick and died. And so these two main options that I had coming out of college that I was really excited for ministry-wise, God just closed the door and I was like, what in the world? Like, what am I going to do now? Well, that year is also the year I met my wife. And, yeah, (laughs) thanks, Rob. Yeah, met my wife. God brought me to Minnesota. And, I mean, if you would have told me nine years ago that I would be the senior pastor of a church starting at the age of 29, I would have laughed at your face because that was not my plan. But God's better. His plan is better. Sometimes, as Patrick Olo said last night, God uses these things to grow our faith and trust in him. Won't belabor that one again, but uh, finally, maybe you are actually the answer to your prayer. Maybe you're praying for a family in your church who's going through a hard time that they would experience the grace and love of God in the midst of their situation. Maybe you need to be the one to show them the love and grace of God. 
maybe you need to be the one to just bring a meal without asking them what they need. Oftentimes when people are in the midst of actually difficult situations, they don't know what they need. They, they don't have the mental capacity to, to think about burdening somebody else. You just got to do something. You just got to send them a card. You just got to bring them the meal. Text them a prayer. Maybe you are actually the answer. And, and there's lots of, there's so many different ways that we can help ourselves understand how God and his sovereignty is working through what we would call otherwise unanswered prayers. So my encouragement for you this morning is before you pray or while you pray, maybe evaluate these seven things that we talked about this morning and see if any of those are true in your life. These are things that could potentially hinder your prayers. Now, on the reverse side, even if those things are true in your life, God might still answer your prayer. And so regardless of whether you feel like God's answering or not answering, still worth evaluating those seven things. Encouragement number two is just to remember God's faithfulness. When you can't see ahead, when you don't understand the present, look back. Psalm 77.1, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles long ago. Encouragement number three is in our prayer, seek after the person of our prayer more than the petitions of our prayer. Remember, the value in prayer is the process of expressing our dependence on God and aligning our hearts with him more than it is getting all the things that we want. So I'd encourage you guys, I know we went a little bit longer this morning as well, but I encourage you to take even just five minutes as we dismiss this morning and maybe start praying for some of those things that you gave up praying for. Maybe you can spend these five minutes going back to yesterday and, and going through the acronym of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Uh, but just spend five minutes together and uh, let's, let's pray to our God. Let me just pray for us as we, as we wrap up our time this morning. God, you are so good to us. I pray that you would help us to, to remember the fact that you are an infinite, eternal, and sovereign God. And we are finite, limited people who are actually not in control of anything as much as we would like to believe we are. So I pray that you would help us to pray. I pray that you would teach us to pray. I pray especially for those in this room who are walking through just heart-wrenching situations. I pray that you would help us to pray boldly about those situations in faith while also trusting your ultimate plan and purpose for not only those situations, but how you may be using those situations to mold us more into your image and to bolster a faith in a God who 
knows, understands, and loves us so much. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.